yeah and then exactly and then you're like oh shit i have to take responsibility and grow up what's up guys i'm tori and you are listening to or watching the bossed up bible thank you guys for tuning in today and who are you, I Missy? I am Caitlin, <laughs> and we have a guest today! Dun, 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 our first guest. Please introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. My name is Natalie Shapiro. I am a licensed acupuncturist, herbalist, and women's health coach. And I have worked with Tori talking about women's health issues and all the Ooh. problems of our society and everything that needs to be done to help women be and feel better yeah that is something i need literally this was just like <laughs> y'all already know i naturally just start talking about things that i'm passionate about and she was literally doing my ear acupuncture and we just started getting into a conversation and i was like dude america and just the government and the medical system in general is literally set up to just like fuck with women from birth to death all the way through <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's get this started. Um, this is the perfect episode to come. Literally, we just did a mental health episode. Okay, yeah. Me shitting on the psychiatrist, but it's okay. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, literally, she just got off the psychiatrist couch today, and that was our last episode. It was like, we're usually here together, but she's on Zoom now because she has to go to her weekly meetings. I had to go to my weekly meeting at the psychiatrist for him to basically, he tried to tell me I was manic because he said that, the story that I told about my life was too grandioso to be real. And then my parents were like, nope, that's exactly what her life is. And then he was like, oh, well, maybe that's, you're not manic. Yeah, I mean, that's how <laughs> I got started in my journey was I was diagnosed with manic depressive bipolar disorder when I was 16. Sweet. And it was like, it was the beginning of questioning the system so I my dad had just died my family was like in turmoil Mm -hmm. and I was 16 and I was insane as you as As you you already are at 16 like without your dad dying exactly exactly and so I go to this so I kind of went through this period of doing like intense things traveling to Europe by myself just kind of really seeking and at the same time being anxious and depressed And so I went to the psychiatrist, so 16 or 17, and he immediately diagnosed me within, I'm telling you, five minutes of talking to to me. Five minutes. So that's what happened to me. Yeah, exactly. I was like, wait a second. No. I was like, I don't think I'm manic or bipolar. (laughs) It's like I'm a human being with a mind and with going through something. Going through stuff. And so he gave me medication and I immediately just threw it away. Yeah. And then that was really what started my journey of like alternative medicine and learning how to heal myself and I feel like there's this that women are not only women I mean men too that's a different podcast episode Um, (laughs) no seriously is a real issue too like I don't want to just focus on women but women are like boxed in and like the term hysteria comes from the word for uterus which is hysterical like Mm -hmm. that's hysterectomy like that's the word for Mm -hmm. uterus so women traditionally in the medical society have been seen as crazy mm-hmm. immediately. And so that's what I felt when I was a teenager. And like, it's just, it's really, it's bad. I'm like, oh, you're a woman with complex emotions and 
Let's medicate you. Let's medicate you. (laughs) Let's just put some chemicals in your brain to make you not crazy anymore. Instead of dealing with the emotions that you're actually going through that are making you want to escape reality. Exactly. I was going to say that's very interesting because um, so for me, my background is like my, my whole family is like in the medical field. And for a long time, like they, everyone kind of refused to like, I don't know. I think it was more of like, nobody really saw me enough to like, you know, uh, understand like what was going on. And I did a lot of seeking too. I remember I, I got really depressed when I went abroad. I like, and, and I feel like, and I literally dropped off the face of the earth. I deleted I, all my social media, changed my phone number, like crazy ghosted. behavior, ghosted. And I guess even this past year, I've been seeking a lot. I've been I, I've been hiding. I, I've been in a different state every two weeks. And um, I, I think also for me, because be- beforehand, I refused to see a psychiatrist or something like that because I didn't want to be medicated and I didn't want somebody to like label me in a box. I did a lot of um, like I read a lot. I read a lot and I became very spiritual. I like went through my whole like spiritual awakening in 2017. And I did a lot of like learning about myself and I've, I had a, a shaman spiritual healer and it was actually funny because I told that to my psychiatrist today and he was like, so you're trying to tell me you've never seen a real therapist or something. And I, and I was like, listen, I, I'm a human, I said the same thing. I'm a human being and I want to be seen as a human being. Mm-hmm. And I felt like seeing a, a spiritual healer sees me as a human being opposed to seeing me as a patient mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. to be sold something to mm-hmm. exactly that's just my thing is like i always think about the bottom line is like who's financially benefiting from this situation and when you think about mental health it's like the most quiet thing that no one really wants to talk about because everyone's embarrassed which really leaves it kind of open and exposed for people suggesting things and like a lot of times like think about it if you want to try something new you ask your friends about it and you ask people that are in your circle if they trust it. But if it's something that you don't want to talk about and you don't want to be open about, you wind up on lithium mm-hmm. and you wind up mm-hmm. on just these Xanax and random things that because you don't want to tell someone, oh, I'm depressed or, oh, I have anxiety because it automatically like it has a stereotype in the world of that you're weak or that like you can't do things as well as someone else or like you, you're not strong at the end of the day. So you're like, I'm not going to tell people about that. I'm just going to deal with this on my own. Mm-hmm. But then you miss that whole like screening period of like, oh, I, t- I talked to my friend and she says she tried lithium like two years ago. It made her nauseous and it didn't help anything. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's a conversation that isn't even had because no one's being open enough to have the mental health conversation mm-hmm. or the conversation to not even go on the drugs period. I mean, like you're kind of watching that happen with vaccinations right now and people actually standing up and saying like, hold on, like, these are chemicals you're trying to put into my body. Have you fully tested these and why? Like, and I feel like it's probably one of the first times that society is like doing a strong push against modern day medicine and like the pharmaceutical business in general. Like there's always been kind of like small pushes and they like chalk it up to liberals and like people that just want to like smoke weed and shit. But like, that's how weed started being pushed was medically because They were giving it to cancer patients to make them be able to eat and not have pain in their body. So if you can give it to cancer patients, how are you telling me that it's not like helping the regular general population of people that don't have cancer? 
Well, uh, yeah, and if you look at the opiate crisis mm-hmm. and everything that's happening there, and, and similarly, the opiate crisis is horrifying. Yeah, and it describes exactly what you're talking about. This like complete focus on money and the bottom line. Mm-hmm. While I mean, it, there was just an article that just came out about CVS, Walgreens, all these mainstream pharmacies that all offer free vaccinations and free right covid testing and they also (laughs) like doled out opiates and got everyone addicted to freaking heroin and like and now that's also happening with adderall it's like what that's meth it's meth (laughs) you can call it whatever you want that's that's meth amphetamine exactly and it's easy to to get people addicted and i think what needs to be understood in question is what's the underlying mental health problem behind pain beyond behind lack of concentration like there's a bigger issue at play as to like what's happening to our minds from literally from eight years old onward and why are we why are kids depressed can't concentrate Mm -hmm. completely all over the place wreaking havoc it's not it's not because they have oh, open out or, i can't hear oh you can't hear i actually okay so we had some technical difficulties caitlin no longer has headphones but we're diving back in i actually have a question for you kate are you going to take adderall every day like they want you to or i don't think so that's my thing i'm like i was literally just saying to her i'm like how do you go into somewhere and you say yo my issue was i abused adderall and it made me depressed and all these other things and i was using it as a coping mechanism and they're like you know what we should do prescribe you adderall that is the that's the the solution to what's happening but it was the weirdest thing too because actually i kind of explained it like that where i was like um uh, and I told this to my dad because my dad's a doctor too. I was like, is there any way you could prescribe me Adderall like as needed? You know, mm-hmm. I was like, because the thing is I don't need it every day. Um, I just need it when I need to work. However, like, you know what I mean? Like I'm telling you now that I definitely buy it from my friends when I need it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and they were like, oh, but so then I, but then so I got into a fight with the psychiatrist. So he like today after, you know, he tried to <laughs> say I was manic. And then my family went in and where they were like, she's, she didn't make up a single, there was no lies told. Like, I like, she'd be so creative if she came up with that story, you know? And um, like, they were like, that's a different story if she just made that one up, you know? Um, But basically like, uh, he was like, I, he was like, what were you taking when I, when I was taking it? I was like, I mean, like, I definitely like was, you know, taking, I was like, I would take, I was like, I don't like XRs. I like, I was like, I like IR Adderalls. I was like, he's like, is your come down bad? And I'm like, no. And he was like, okay, so I want you to Well, I mean, you would sleep for like four days straight. So that's that's not the best come down. I said, well, no. So I said, I would take it. I was like, I would take it for like three days and I would sleep for like four. So I was like, so I was like, so like there's some sort of depression there. I was like, but also like, you know, and he was like, okay, well, I want you to start taking it every day. And I was like, why? And he was like, well, it seems like you have a lot to do. And I was like, not every day. Yeah. And he was like, and he was like, well, you know, like I needed to like, and I was like, so you're trying to tell me like, it needs to be part of my like normal behavior. And I was like, I don't know about that. Like, Well, you that's know, the like, thing that I felt about Adderall when I was prescribed it, because I've literally been diagnosed as ADD since the dawn of time and my parents are hella holistic and never put me on anything but like 
once I started getting more into adulthood, I'm like, oh, like, did my parents fuck up not putting me on this? Maybe I would have been a more productive person getting more shit done in my life if I started taking Adderall. And then, are you still there, Kate? Are you you fucking with things over there? Stop (laughs) touching things. You're not, you're not a technician. Stop touching things. We can see you and hear you. This is it. But yeah, when I was diagnosed... (laughs) With ADD, my parents didn't do jack shit about it. They said, sit down, and if there's something you need to focus on, that is what you need to do. And literally just by having open communication with my parents, like, yeah, of course there was shit that, like, my mind would wander, but they would literally make sure that I was in, like, the hardest, most interesting classes. And that's what got me through school because before that, they would ask me, like, oh, why aren't you paying attention in class? I'm like, because it's boring. Like, they taught this yesterday, and they're going over it for other kids, and I don't need it to be gone over for me, so I'm talking to my friend. Like, that's very much what I said. So they're like, okay, we need to accelerate your learning then because you're getting bored, and that's why they think you have ADD and why you're talking all the time. But then literally when I actually became an adult and got it prescribed to me as adult ADHD and they gave me drugs, I would take it, and then I wouldn't take it, and I was like, this is two completely ver- like different versions of myself. Like that, all my creativity is gone. All like my like spontaneous like energy is gone. Like that's all completely stripped away oh. from me. So it's well, very much like one personality or the other. Well, it's interesting. Everyone who's seen me on and off it is I'm two different people. Yeah, two and it's like we're we're like not accepting human beings as human beings. Like we want human beings to be machines, and it's like. You're expressing the complexity of what it is to be a human. Let's medicate you so that we can understand and box you even more. And so it's you're like, more like everyone else. Exactly. It's like it's far. It, there's a control thing happening. And and that's, again, going back to women's health, because if you can control women, it's very convenient. You control the future, essentially, because you can't have a future without women having babies. Exactly. And we're facing an infertility crisis. And you know who's paying for these fertility treatments? The women. Well, the companies, Facebook, Hulu, Amazon, all of these companies, if you're an employee, they'll pay for you to get your eggs frozen. Why? Because they want you to work more. And yeah. you know, also, they're also paying for you to be on Adderall so you can work 12-hour shifts. Literally. Okay, I, okay, I say this all the time. I've said this all the time. Okay, so I remember when I finished college, I said to someone, I am so happy that I never have to take an Adderall ever again in my life. And they said, you thought that you were never going to take an Adderall ever again in your life? That's and I was cute. like, why would I take an Adderall ever again in my life? And they were like, jobs. I job. yeah. So that was why. I'm never getting a job because if I get a job and, and I, and I think about how nuts it is, how people are like, you know, they're cracked the fuck out at some fucking job on this computer that it's not even their business. Literally. And like, yeah. I'm like, and they're ruining their sleep. lives and then drinking at night to sleep, drinking at night and all weekend to try to sleep. ignore the fact that they hate their lives. Yeah. And it's like, why why can't we be human beings? Like, why do we live in a society where we can't be human beings with complex emotions and support each other to learn, how, like your parents did, to learn how to deal with a mind that is complex and challenging? Like, that's, Literally. that's being human. I mean, like, think about 100, 200 years ago. Like, people wrote poetry. Yeah. They and that was music. their job. Yeah. What do you do? I'm a poet. I am the town poet. Like literally, <laughs> that was that's what you did. And that's how you dealt with complex shit. You didn't take a drug. You actually like traveled no. and did stuff. 
Well, I actually, I'm very curious because you got diagnosed as well with the same thing and prescribed. Did you take the Adderall and like the drugs that they had prescribed to you? So I got addicted to Adderall um, up until college and I had to leave college in my sophomore year because I had, this is like very personal, but whatever. That's honestly what we do on here. It's as personal as you want to get. Like she literally is like, I I just got off the the couch and they diagnosed me manic bipolar. Like we're very open. So it's just as open as you want to be. Yeah. So I, I had like a breakdown in my sophomore year. I was completely addicted to Adderall and I was like, socially anxious I felt like a robot I was scared of people like literally like like paranoid anxious crazy so I had to leave college like I just couldn't it was an expensive private college like I just felt like this is not cool I need to take a minute um and then I ended up taking two years off I got off all medications I got off I got off Adderall I was prescribed lithium never took lithium but for like a month and then I was like no this is, <laughs> yeah this is disgusting like, which is why when they said they forced britney spears to take it like she was forced to take it, lithium it like that's crazy weight, have, it gets disgust it's a disgusting thing so i took that for like very short time but i got off adderall and that was a big crap like i crashed and then i ended up moving to thailand and i moved to thailand for an entire year and i lived with a buddhist family and i grew up in la in like in bel-air yeah like hardcore Hollywood materialistic yeah, like all of it and like and so I moved to Thailand ended up living with um, a family from Myanmar who are refugees lived on their floor I was 19 and <laughs> like and then I for a year and I like, got off everything and like com- we were like meditating and I was building an eco village and my whole life started changing I started meditating did like four Vipassana retreats, came home, long, like a lot of different things happened with my mental health, ultimately ended up going back to college in upstate New York, did my senior thesis on schizophrenia and spirituality, ended up... Wait, oh my god, that's crazy, because I I have something to say on that when you finish. Yeah, no, and I, because what happened was at a Vipassana meditation center, I met a woman who her mom was schizophrenic and committed suicide, but she, my friend who I met, who's still a friend, she was born in a mental hospital. This was the beginning of my investigation into how fucked up women are treated. So she was raped multiple times, not my friend, my friend's mother, as a child. Developed schizophrenia at age 13. They never addressed the fact that she, she was, was raped. fucking raped. Of course, no. <laughs> no, that like was not not brought up. No. No, not, it's not important. Not important. It's not and, a trauma or anything. No, exactly. But she's Scale schizophrenic. Past that. So they medicated her and they put her in institution after institution. And I made a film about her and her mother, her biological mother, and her biological daughter, who is my friend. Her daughter didn't find out the story. Her daughter was put up for adoption because her daughter her mom had her in the hospital. No, yeah. She was given up for adoption, raised with a family in Missouri, and she, when she was 13, her mother committed suicide, and she found out the whole story. Her mother was a painter, and she had these incredible paintings of all of her personalities and just, like, insane yeah. stuff. And she was Beautiful raped, stuff. Beautiful stuff, but scary. She yeah. was raped again multiple times in the institution, and 
heavily, heavily medicated to the point the the photos of her, she's emaciated. It's just like, it's absolutely horrifying. So I ended up following her, her biological mother, who's a therapist, and her daughter around for a year to do my senior thesis after everything I went through, which mm-hmm. is like sort of what you were going through is like, oh, you're I diagnosed. Like, I about this after you say it yeah and so it's just like this realization like that making that film I was like oh my god like you saw it firsthand yeah this is what's going on and my friend started to develop symptoms of depression and and different things my friend like this gorgeous like supermodel looking woman but her self-image is not is not that and like it almost was like even worse that she was beautiful because what was inside was not not and like not that she wasn't beautiful inside she didn't feel it yeah so that started my journey and then I ended up moving to India I lived in India for six years at an ashram and that was really the end of my like forever end of any touch of Of meditation (laughs) of western medicine because I learned in India I studied a philosophy called Vedanta which teaches you how to deal with your mind because when you're a creative woman person and you have strong emotions it sounds like you do and you do and I do yeah it's tough sometimes you have to learn how to deal with it it's not medication is not the answer like lack lack of focus is not an Adderall deficiency yeah like that's not your body's not born with Adderall it's not like you need more Adderall in your body to make it like function right like it's not so you need meth yeah exactly like you need speed no, so like that's that was my journey, and now my whole mission is to kind of help young women specifically to be like, there are other options here, but it's yeah. harder. Like it is easier to pop a pill, but like long. Well, yeah, it's instant. Oh. It's you pop a pill and you feel better now. Yeah. But you don't feel better yeah. if you run yeah. out of that pill. Yeah, and like <laughs> a year later, when like you hate everybody and yourself like it doesn't feel good so yeah what's your story i i have two stories here um one um i remember when i was in college i was heavily going through my spiritual awakening and i'm i'm very intuitive i'm basically psychic i can see spirits i can see all that stuff and i thought um and the craziest part about it was the most I was seeing stuff, hearing stuff was when I was off drugs. Mm -hmm. I was sober for months. And so um, I started to learn that in my family that it ran in the family, you know, and it often does. and, And I took a class in college that was about spirituality versus, um, psyche, like psyche, like, uh, like, is this mental illness or is this spiritual awakening? Yeah. There's a and, lot of court cases like that of like, oh, I didn't have a so snap like I, I got. I took a this. whole class on it and it was crazy because I honestly, and it was during that time I was going, there was a lot of like spirits around me. There was a lot of like that type of stuff. And I, it was the weirdest thing because I was able to write emails to my teacher being like, there is a spirit in my bathroom that has been haunting me and I cannot come to class. Like literally, and it was like real. Yeah. And at the end, and it, was, and it was crazy because I, I don't want to talk about what I wrote my paper on, but I wrote, basically I channeled a 60 page paper that was about um, my spiritual experience and my spiritual awakening and every, um, every part of it and 
coming on drugs, coming off drugs, how I sense, like how my spiritual development came across. And it was, and basically it was the weirdest thing because I, it was fully channeled through me. It was 60 pages. It took me four days. I didn't sleep. And I, it, I saw spirits pushing my fingers down and it was the crazy, it was so crazy. I remember I should have had an F in this class because I never went because I was so scared of it because it was so relatable to my life because, you know, people would argue in the class being like, that's schizophrenia or, you know, I see spirits too. Like, you know what I mean? But they were like bullshitting and you're like, no, I'm being for real. I was like, I was like, no, I actually see spirits. Like I cannot come to this class and have somebody tell me that like, you know, that I should go check my, cause like I was reading story, like, like cases about people that sounded like me. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds like you just have trauma, you know? And, and I had a lot of trauma at the time. And, and I now realize that it was just projections of, you know, the, the things I was feeling or whatever. And, um, it was crazy. I, I, I handed in this paper late and it was fully channeled through me after I cried hysterically and it was, everything came out. And like, I was like, I healed the whole trauma, hmm. you know? And it was the weirdest thing. Cause I handed the paper in and my, my teacher emailed me after. And I, I still, to this day, don't even have the courage to open it because I bet you, she was like, this is my next case study. <laughs> this girl literally, like, cause I, I, cause I would write to her and be like, listen, like, this is my life. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I'm debating if I need to go see a psychiatrist or if, Cause I was like, cause everyone's, oh, cause it was when I started seeing, I started seeing angel numbers. I was seeing spirits. I was seeing people were telling me that I needed to go see, I need to go get help, you know? And like, I've been, I've been going through my spiritual awakening since 2017. And like, I was being able to like point out things or hear things or see things or know things that people didn't know. And people said I needed help. So I had no friends. And, um, it was the weirdest thing because, you know, obviously now it's, angel numbers all those things are like trendy and all this stuff and I remember trying to convince people I'm not crazy I'm not on drugs like I'm like this is actually the only time I'm sober and you're trying to tell me that like the things that are are coming through me are fake I was like like it was crazy when I withdrew from school I heard a voice that basically told me like you know follow through with it you don't need to go back to school go leave follow your path Go, and I remember when I got, and I remember when I got, I flew to Miami because my family was in Miami at the time. And um, it was crazy because I tried to convince my mom. I was like, mom, I think I'm going through like a spiritual awakening thing. And she was like, what does that mean? And I remember a girl came up to me with a shell. And um, you know how like they say that like spiritually tuned people, like, you know, like they're like guides will bring the messages. Yeah. And basically the girl was like, no, my 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 friend says this is for you it was like her imaginary friend it was like no this is for you my mom's like you can't take a shell from a kid and i was like no mom she feels my energy like it's there's spirits here that are watching me and they're heavily watching me and it's crazy because even to this day um i mean i have a lot of problems you know (laughs) as you can tell um but um even when i was going through a really dark time a few weeks ago uh no i feel like i guess it was a few months ago um, my dad never sees his mom. His mom is dead. Like she's been dead since I was younger. And my healer says that I'm very heavily watched over and I have a lot of like spirit guides and all this stuff. And I know for a fact, one of them is my mom's dad. 
and I can sense her a lot of times and I know that like you know um certain sides of your body like you know your family hangs on but I am one day I was going through one of my like darkest periods like Tori this was like right after Wolf ended um I know you were going through it during that period but my my dad's mom never really comes to my dad and my dad's mom showed up to my dad and said tell Caitlin she's gonna be okay and my dad called me and was like I don't know if you know this but you know you know my mom doesn't really come through to me as much as you know you know and he's like and you know I know I don't believe in that stuff as much as you do he was like but she came through to me to tell me that you're gonna be okay and that you like that you're and also when I first moved to LA same thing um I had a problem where I was like, I didn't know if I was going to be financially supported. And she woke me up in my sleep and said, don't worry, you'll be financially supported. And I told my dad this, my dad cried because my dad hasn't seen his mom because she died right before I was born. So it's like really weird how like those things like kind of happen because I know like, especially in those cases, people want to diagnose you with something really fast. Yeah. you know where people were like you were hearing voices you're well that's at the end of the day what they go to school for is they go to school not necessarily to help you they go to school to figure out which box you fall into and what drug they're supposed to give you because you fall into that box and how much dosage based on your weight and your height and all these other things that have nothing to do with the actual emotion and feelings you have behind why you are this way you know so then also it's funny because, you know, since I went through spiritual healing and like I worked with my shaman for like six months, you know, um, it's, he was like, technically you are like, I am also trained to be a shaman, you know? And um, basically I've been teaching my family, you know, how to heal themselves holistically too. I've been, and it's been very hard being home because I've been explaining to my parents, you know, you treat me this way because you were treated this way. Yeah. You don't know better and that's okay. But let's get some awareness now. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like I was like, let's be aware that, you know, I feel a certain way because that is what was ancestrally passed on, you know, or I treat people a certain way because of that. Well, that's also a very hard conversation to have with someone if they don't believe in anything like manifestation, spiritual affirmation, like there's a higher purpose, law of attraction type thing, like to try to explain to someone, you behave this way because of trauma and this is how it's affecting me and your mom treated you this way and this is probably something that is in our bloodline and I'm here now to break this generational curse. like. How do you not then commit someone to a psych ward? You know, generational curse. What type of fucking Salem witch trial shit are you talking about? Like you're getting strapped down in a mental facility. That's just, I feel like what actually happens. How are you relating now to seeing a psychiatrist and this current? So um, I talked about this in our last episode. Um, I only saw him twice and it was a very um first experience like i said i i think he thought i over dramatized my whole story today was my second experience and when he said to me that it sounded like i made it all up i i texted tori say like i was i was crying hysterically because i was like because i think because even the first time when he said that i was probably bipolar or manic i called my sister and i hadn't talked to my sister in uh, like months and was like, am I bipolar or manic? Like, like you're a you know doctor. I mean? 
like because like my sister is so my sister just went through like my sister's in her fourth year of med school my dad is a doctor my grandparents are doctors like i but my sister has she's just went through her like rotations and i was like am i bipolar or manic like can you tell me you know and she was like no you know what i mean she's like you you probably have adhd but like i don't think you're bipolar or manic like you know you don't have any symptoms of bipolar or manic like the fact that they kind of jumped to that conclusion is a little weird you know and so like last week he kind of told me that i was a very complex case and i was like what's complex about the fact that i just can't focus sometimes you know what i mean yeah. and i was like and that i have and that i have a lot of responsibilities like that was kind of what the point of it was i was like I was like, I run like all these businesses and there's a lot of pressure on me. And like, I just need Adderall as prescribed so I don't have to buy it from, you know, whatever. Or I don't know, because I think it was the point is like, actually, cause I've told my parents that I see a spiritual healer, right? And they, and I like paid for it. And like, I, you know, and basically they didn't believe that was like, once they realized that I needed help, they were like, spiritual healers aren't enough. Like we need to go get you like, you know, a psychiatrist or whatever, you know what I mean? So I finally like, so, so the thing is I've been asking for help since I was 14 and I'm 24 years old now, my parents have never helped me. So um, when they offered that support, I finally was like, okay, you know, like let, okay. If this is your way of supporting me, I'll take that support. So today when I went to the doctor, literally it was one of those things like, you know, he thought I was making it all up. And, and then my family like had to go talk to them. They were like, no, I nope, that definitely is all real. Like, you know, they're like, no, she, that's exactly what happened. And they explained my story again and they backed me up and I ended up leaving obviously with an Adderall prescription for, you know, to take it every day. And then he's like, well, we'll have to see you in two weeks and follow up. But it was like a weird thing because I texted my cousin who also, um, is on a lot of medications, right? And I text him saying, I fucking hate the psychiatrist, right? And he goes, yeah, I psychiatrists have no empathy. Mm -hmm. And I said, because I said the same thing to him, because I said, you know, it really bothers me that you have no empathy. Like, I, I haven't seen a psychiatrist before because, you know, I, I would like to be seen as a human being and not as a number or somebody that you could put on a medication if i can do this without medication i would love to know that you yeah. know and and i and i and i made that very clear to my family too where i was like if i can do this without medication i would love that solution you know and and also like because i mean because i worked with my healer too like so that's the other issue is that um you know how you were saying when you came off of adderall like you know um, I came off of Adderall multiple times, you know, and it made me extremely unproductive, but there was still a lot of pressure for me to perform, make, make money, pay my bills, do all these things. And I couldn't admit to my family that I, Adderall was the reason I was so productive, but you know, there, there was just, so there's just a study that came out and it was, it, this is a university done study about Adderall and they had a placebo group and they had an Adderall group. This is on a film on Netflix that came out about Adderall. And they, in this study, they showed two groups, one taking Adderall, one not. The difference was, so they, sh they showed that there's actually no performative difference in the placebo group versus the Adderall group. What they said was the main difference was the people that were taking Adderall believed that they were going to be more productive. It was a belief system, almost like the Adderall gave you this sense that you can do, that you can do more. So the way to get off medication 
is to start to believe in your own capacity. Adderall fucks with your self-esteem. It tells you that you cannot be productive, be without, productive it. without it. That's addiction. That's that's the mind control piece. So it's in what was interesting was the scientist, she was like, and she's full Western medicine. She's not an Eastern person at all. She's like, it actually doesn't make you more productive. It makes you believe you're more productive. So and, and the guy with, who was following her or the other medical doctor, he was like, that's not a small thing. Like if a drug can make you believe in yourself, like that's a that's a multimillion dollar drug. Yeah. But it makes you stay awake longer. Mm-hmm. It makes you have more like energy, but it doesn't make you focus. So what, like I think this is the issue with women is like we are so easy to feel like shit about ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody oh, it's so says easy. one thing and we're like suddenly like, oh, no, I can't. And yeah. it's like then we're so susceptible to be like, oh, you have something for me to help me? Like, okay. But how the question is like, okay, how do you focus and how do you do what you need to do without drugs? Well, you have to actually then do the work of believing in yourself, which is so that was, very hard. That, it's funny that you say that because actually this, you know, this past week i've been off everything right and i besides my occasional wee pen right and i it was funny because my mood changed completely and i started to believe myself and i called my friend and said you know this has been the weirdest week ever because i i started to realize like i'm that bitch you know and i was like I was like, either I've always been that bitch or today I'm realizing I am that bitch. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. Like, I was like, maybe I was like, maybe it was the outside influence or maybe it's finally that I feel supported and or supported by myself or the fact that I could be honest with my family or be honest with the people around me. But now I finally believe in myself because I can have that open conversation with the people around me about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. You know, and I was like, and once I was honest with myself and honest with people around me, I was like, I actually believe in what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was like, and I believe what I'm doing is right. And I think that that was my real struggle was that like, I knew what I was doing was right, but everyone around me was telling me it was wrong. And I think that was where it was hard, you know, and I, and it was weird too, because actually explaining to the doctor, you know, going back to like trauma, I, I explained to him a lot of my trauma. You know, and it's it felt like it was like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it, yeah, like, it, it was not, like, yeah. it was not like, a, oh, my God, I'm so sorry that happened to you or, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I kind of was like, um, but I had a, a very honest conversation with my family before we went to the doctor because I knew he had to interview them where I was like, listen, you know, a lot of this comes, I was like, I've done a lot of spiritual healing and a lot of my pain is trauma. And I was like, and a lot of my pain is lack of support from you guys. I was like, so realistically, I feel better because you're here supporting me, you know? And I was like, I I was, a lot of my pain is also the fact that I've been traveling around the world every week. And so I have no stability And so I feel unsupported, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, even when there are people like, you know, like Tori or, you know, I have other friends that it's like, they fully believe in me and they fully support me, but like, I don't feel supported because I'm never, I'm not around that all the time, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and I kind of said that where I was like, listen, like, 
I, I don't know if this is like something that should be medicated necessarily, or if this is just something I just need to talk about, you know? Yeah. And, and I kind of said that to him where I was like, you know, at the end of the day, I, I feel like I go through the pain I go through because I have such a public platform and I need, I, I want to be honest with my platform and, and say, Hey, listen, you know, this is the pain I'm feeling and this is why, and this is how I'm coping, you know? And cause I know Tori asked me before this episode, how honest do you feel? How honest are you? Are you okay with being honest? You know? And I said, yeah, cause we're you know, like at the end of the day, like we have very real talks about life. And I'm like, before I just say like, Hey, like such and such happened today. Like how honest do you want to be about your journey? Cause a lot of your trauma and a lot of your stress that you go through is people knowing so much about you. So is this something that you, again, want to open this side of yourself up to the world the way you've opened other sides of yourself up and that's caused you trauma? And at the end of the day, she was like, honestly, I need to talk about this because it's the most healing thing for me is to actually talk about what I'm really going through because it may help someone. And another thing is like, I think there's almost you you have to look in the mirror and be honest with yourself about attachment to pain and what narrative that you're sticking onto that when we and I did this with myself before like my own transformation that I was attached to being a traumatized person I went through this I went through that and it was like a wound I carried on my on my chest like your badge like I'm I'm trauma one of my favorite sayings is who are you without your trauma yeah and then exactly and then you're like oh shit I have to take responsibility and grow up like Mm -hmm. I think a lot of this and and just kind of circling back to women's health like what does it mean to move from being a girl to a woman Mm -hmm. it means taking responsibility for your mental health and a lot of these psychiatrists they they turn women back into children like, oh, are you, you okay? You can help me. Yeah, like, <laughs> like it's, and we do it to ourselves. I totally did that. And I think we have to, like, be honest with ourselves and be like, what what kind of women do we want to stand for? Like, who do we want to be? And, and how strong can that narrative become? If we stick, I stuck to this narrative of, of trauma for a long time, and it did me no good other than justify my pain. So I think, there you are. Um, So I think like a lot of this is the narratives that we tell ourselves. You spoke about manifestation. Mm -hmm. It's like we will manifest the storyline. And if I tell myself that I'm traumatized, I've been through pain, and I tell that to other people and repeat that storyline. That becomes who you are. That becomes the identity. And of course you're going to re-traumatize. So I think it's important to share, but I think it's also important to to consciously create a new narrative every single day and be like, okay, release it. yeah, like there's a concept that I was introduced to called the hero's journey, which is about like comes from Joseph Campbell and the story of, of reemergence of identity. So this is a big part of women becoming women of like, you know, you're 24. It's like you've been through all of this up to a certain point. Now you're at a crossroads. Like, who do you want to be in your next chapter? And that that is deciding to take the narrative in your own hands. It has nothing actually to do with medication because at the end of the day, you can take the medication, you cannot take the medication. The question is, what's going to make you feel more empowered? What's going to make you feel more empowered is going to make you more productive. 
in a deeper way, in a sustainable way. If you're taking on all this, these businesses and this and that and that, and it's dragging you down, you know, your life is like a freaking flash. Like it's not going to matter that whatever money, fame, whatever it is. So it's really making a decision. And I think in what I see in a lot of women, it's, it's actually the question of womanhood and like what that looks like and what that means. And we have no, in our culture, we have no initiation. No, it's just like, I was going to say, what is your initiation process? Because I realized that with myself is that I have had, so I've worked a lot with men. And so I've taken on a lot of masculine qualities Mm -hmm, and a lot of like mm -hmm. masculine leadership qualities. And I realized that what I really need to like work on is, you know, really embracing like my femininity. And I think that like OnlyFans, for example, was one of the things like a step in the direction of like being like, I am a beautiful woman that can express myself. And, you know, I am an adult and like all this, you know, so I'm like curious what, like what your shift was, you know, from I am a girl who, you know, who feels all this pain to I'm a woman and I, I can take control of this you know, yeah. myself. So my initiation, it was actually fairly recent. It was a breakup. Um, so I was with my partner. I got together with him when I was 23, 23, 24. And he became my like saving grace. And I love him to death. Glenn, if you ever hear this, I love you. And he knows that. <laughs> He's like, I'm not shitting on him, me. I'm yeah, like, no, no, but, no. It, but it describes it, how I gave all oh, yeah. my... <laughs> Basically, what happened was from kind of putting all my faith in, well, first being patronized in a certain way by psychiatrists and all of these male. There's no way you'll know more than me. (laughs) And then kind of like in my love partnership, that became the way that I was given a space to feel safe and feel supported. But it also kind of took away my feminine power I would say and then when I decided to leave that relationship for a number of reasons but that breakup forced me to face myself head on in the mirror I could no longer go and cry to him I could no longer you know when I was having anxiety go and lay next to him I could I had to face my anxiety and I remember I told this story like this wasn't that long ago this was fairly recently it was like 3 a.m. And I was like really head to head with my anxiety. And for eight years that we were together, I always went to him. And I think I needed that. And I, I needed that safe space to to get to the point where I am now. But it was like, you have to become a woman now. Mm-hmm. You have to deal with your mind. No man is going to do this for you. And it was like, I thought I was going to die. Like literally, I thought I was going to die. And at the same time, my mother was diagnosed with cancer so like my my feminine leader matriarch was like oh my god jeopardy in jeopardy i was like this is me like it is just me here my partner is not like i i am it's just me and it was like that moment of you you there's a verse in the bhagavad-gita that says you have to lift yourself by yourself like that's the thing it's like as soon as you realize that no one else is going to do the work but you whether you're a man or a woman that's the initiation it's like no pill is going to help you like whether it's Adderall whether it's lithium 
whether it's pot, whether it's whatever. Whether it's a man, because I or even a man or whatever. We had this conversation recently, actually, is because I, I started to realize that it was like once I came off Adderall and stuff, I started doing exactly what I hated, seeing other people, like relying on guys. Yeah, it's like always believing oh, it or, or it's your following or it's money or it's your beauty or it's, you know, whatever, your body. It's, it's anything that you believe outside of yourself is going to make you happy that's the lie of our society and so i think for me the initiation was like oh shit this is up to me internally so my joy and my beauty and my power and my career and whatever is an internal game and that was the moment of like this is womanhood and that's also the, when you can transition into to motherhood mm -hmm. Because you can't truly, and a, a lot of people have kids who aren't transitioned into or women, girls, girls or having girls, and that's I. I mean, I have a lot of those patients. It's not a good situation because you have the children then taking care of the parents or taking care of the mother, which that creates a whole different level of trauma in exactly. the child. <laughs> my therapist said to me, she was like, "You don't want your child to be raised with the job of taking care of you. Yep, figure your shit out and become a woman." And so now it's like, so what happened to me was like, I started investigating what it means to be a feminine woman, not in the feminist way, not in be a CEO, that stuff, what it means to, to be in your feminine. So I ended up finding a movement practice, actually, a nonlinear movement practice that I share with most of my patients, my female patients, and it, it's about getting into the body. So the masculine is very much in the head. And that's where I was in my sort of past life. It was like everything like was here. And that's where Adderall is. Literally. Literally, like you're just here. And I realized I was like a bobblehead. I was just so disconnected from my body. So I started this femininity journey, which was all about embodiment, feminine embodiment, which a lot of people now are talking about. And it's really about getting, dropping out of the head and dropping into the body and getting connected with how you feel. And when you get connected with how you feel, if you feel like that negative energy about something, it's having the courage to say no. As opposed to the mind being like, yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. And then being so overwhelmed that you crash, which sounds like kind of what that sounds happened. like me I'm yeah because like, I, I said I said that this week where I finally said you know why I feel better is because I've had the courage to stand up for myself to everyone exactly. and say no and say no. That. no I will not be there no I will not be doing that and and having and like it felt so much better because I was like wow I think I, I was scared of people being like no this is your responsibility but like everyone was like no it makes sense like you need to take care of yourself because if exactly. you don't take care of yourself we don't have a business exactly. you know? and that's feminine power that's saying what do i how do i feel about the situation and am i going to do stuff that makes me feel bad if i do things that make me feel bad i'm going to need to take a drug because i don't want to do it yeah so therefore i have to make a drug take a drug to motivate me but if you feel aligned with your life if you do things that feel good to you, like what your parents did with you, is like mm. you're taking classes that you feel really good about. There is such a thing as internal motivation that drives your concentration, the capacity to focus that you're interested and you feel good. 
Well, we live in a society that would rather give thousands and thousands of kids something to make them like all the other regular kids rather than figure out what they're actually interested in. Yeah, because that would change society Completely. Lot. Well, <laughs> oh I God. went to a school for high school where literally they said their whole thing was like, if you go back 60 to 100 years, the only thing that will never change are hospitals and classrooms and jails. And it, they all look the same and they all are set up exactly. to basically. Else we're innovating. Exactly. To put sheep into society that don't question anything. And I've just never been that type of person, which is why that's, I guess that's how my parents raised me because that's just never the way I've thought. I've always thought to like question and like, if it doesn't make sense to me, it doesn't make sense. And I'm not doing it until it makes sense to me. So you can either make it make sense to me or accept that I'm not doing it. What does femininity mean to you? And how do you find your feminine power while at the same time running business and doing the, the masculine stuff? I honestly, at the point that I'm at in my life, there's actually a Britney Spears song for this. It's, um, she goes, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman, somewhere in between. And I feel like right now, I know I'm definitely not in that girl phase of my life where it's like everything's new and I'm naive and like I'm trying to figure it out and I don't really know who I am yet. But I'm still like, I'm about to turn 27 on Saturday. So I'm nearing my 30s like I'm very much coming up on the time when you are supposed to be a woman and have that shit figured out and I feel like every day I take a step in the direction of figuring myself out more and feeling just like I feel like being a woman is being at home in your body and understanding that you are in the world but you are not of it and not necessarily trying to adhere to any type of anything too rigid because like I feel like feminine energy is so moving and so flowing like the ocean like a lot of society sets you up to be very rigid and like you eat breakfast at 8 every day and you eat lunch at 12 like there's days where I don't eat until 4 p.m. there's days that I eat at 8 a.m. because I'm hungry like I feel like being a woman is just embodying who you are and what you truly want and what you want for yourself and your future Mm -hmm. because the most clarity that you can have is knowing what you want because then I always tell people, like, no one will try to convince you to do something if you stand clear on what you want. Like, people even to this day, like, oh, do you want something as simple as, do you want to go there for breakfast? No, I don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. No one's going to be like, oh, but the food's good. Like, yeah. oh, I went there last time with my mom. Like, you already made it very clear. <laughs> like, no, I don't want to go there. If you go, mm, I don't know, maybe, then people start trying to persuade you. They start trying to tell you all these things that you should do. So I've always been like, no, yes, like, if I want it, that's what I want. If I don't, that's what I don't. And there's nothing you can say to me otherwise, unless you can make it make sense. Mm-hmm. Like that's my parents always reason things with me. I want to stay up longer. No. Why no? Me as a kid, why, why, why? My parents, they, we hated the word why. That was your favorite word. Why? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? My parents would be like, okay, you have to wake up at seven for school. You're going to be too tired and you're going to fall asleep in your class. That's why you can't stay up any later. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense to me. It wasn't just my parents never did the our like our way or the highway type thing. They always talked to us like adults that they wanted us to make our own decisions and understand why what they were telling us was the right decision and never to just blindly trust adults mm-hmm. and never to just blindly trust authority like authoritative figures like never. Mm-hmm. You always should understand where it's coming from. But we were rounding up on an hour. I love the hell out of you. I've loved this conversation. I love how open you have been, Caitlin. This has been an amazing discussion. I hope this conversation 
helps a lot of people. Um, Natalie, where can people I hope find you? Can you? Come back because I want right? to continue this. I know. I feel like we're like just started. Right. <laughs> Literally, that's why I love this. Like, I love talking to people. But let the people know where they can find you and if there's anything that they should know that you have coming up for yourself right now. So you can find me. We'll have you back. Yeah, I want to come back for sure. Um, I'm on social media, just started on social media because I was living in an ashram. Natalie Vitality is my Instagram, and I work as an acupuncturist at Innate Love Wellness, which is where I met Tori. Yeah, I have to have Dr. T on here, too. I know. Literally, I, know. I was talking to her about it. Yeah, she's also a powerhouse woman and runs just like an incredible healing space. Um, and then I also do Zoom sessions for life coaching and women's health, which I'm developing more and more. And really like for what you're talking about, this moment of transition where it's like I kind of that crisis. Yeah, I've been in, in life crises in my life and I know how it is just you feel like the ground is being taken from you. And all I can say is, like, that is the moment of, like, transformation. And that yeah. is the moment yeah. of growth. And I, we have to, like, and, and we cannot do it alone. So, like, I, my passion is to work with women when you're in that moment so that you can actually use it. It's such fertile soil for your growth, especially if you're as spiritually tuned and awakened. You can grow, like, those crises, just that's when you can grow exponentially. So... That's really my passion is kind of being an alternative source of support. And I don't I do herbs and food and fitness and life coaching. I don't I don't do medication. Yeah. Perfect. I love that. Perfect. So we will share your information on our page also. Awesome. Thank you for coming. We will continue this conversation because I had a great fucking time. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Natalie, for so being fitting. here. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys for watching thank the Boss Up Bible. Thank yes, thank you for being our first guest. And we will see you guys next week. Yay. Boss Up Bible. I'm Caitlin. That's Tori. You know where to find us.